Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm your host, Evan Setter, and joined by my host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at EastSetter. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Also, make sure for our Locked On Suns Twitter page, you're on already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your supporter is very much appreciated. We're joining you guys, as we always do at every home game, live from Talking Resort Arena. The Oklahoma City Thunder, the Suns really kept that game close for three quarters. The Suns actually actually led through three quarters, but a 37-18 fourth quarter from the Oklahoma City Thunder where Russell Westbrook just went scorching hot. 118-102 to 102 was the final score there, and the Suns are now 9-27 on the season. Thunder are 22-12. I'll toss you your way first for your free throws because we'll go through our usual free throws, flagrant fouls, and a stat to watch. But before we get into that, I guess, Brent, I want to toss you your way just for your overall thoughts of this game because Paul George did not play. We didn't cover that in the last episode. He was set out. I, what was the injury again with him? I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question. Yeah, but um, um it, it came out of nowhere. I mean, he played on Christmas, so he must have just tweaked something. Then I actually didn't see. I just got got told that he wasn't playing, yeah. and I was like, "All right, well, I, I didn't think it was going to change much because, you know, the, the the scoring is one thing, but you feel pretty good that Russell Westbrook, as he ended up doing, can put the scoring on his back if he needs to, and uh, the defense is going to be what decided this game from the Thunder's perspective, and I think that's really what happened. Uh, a combination maybe of some fatigue on the Suns' part coming. I think Devin Booker put it pretty well in the locker room just now that the first game home after a long road trip still feels like a road game because the travel to get here yeah. is kind of the same as it is. Ben were also for, mentioned Aiden was pretty tired in that fourth quarter yeah, there. Aiden, and I, I think you know TJ maybe is another guy. He was going for a little while scoring the ball and then kind of ran out of gas as well or you know wasn't getting the ball, wasn't asking for the ball like he usually does. So a few different guys, but obviously you – you play the Thunder defense combined with a 40-12 and 8 night from Russ, it's going to be tough to beat them. And 16, I think, makes it look a little uglier than it was. Like you said, they led through three, but that combination is what wins the Thunder 50 games a year. So the Suns probably didn't have much of a chance tonight. Well, it really is incredible. We're not going to cover this, obviously, but Abdul Nader turned the Paul George tonight. He was the second guy alongside Russell Westbrook, which was really incredible even say. I didn't know Abdul Nader was even in the league. I was telling Gerald Borgay of Hoops Habit, I was like, I didn't even know who that guy was at first. But a great game from Abdul Nader. But let me go back to you, Brennan. What was your first free throw? I mean, I think we'll, we'll start probably with you with Booker because you called him. You, you you said you would do it, but that's why we're not going to start with Booker. But TJ Warren, somebody I want to highlight really quick before we move on. Um, just that third quarter for him was one of the better little stretches of scoring we've seen. He had a, I think like a six to two run on his own in the third quarter. 50% from three again. Yeah. 50% from three again. He knocked down some really tough ones. Um, just was getting to the basket pretty, pretty efficiently, pretty effectively, even though I think, you know, Jeremy Grant's a pretty tough matchup to kind of a, a guy that can contain Warren. Not very many guys can with his length and uh, decent strength for his size too. So I didn't know what to expect. I think he took advantage of Patrick Patterson a little bit too, but altogether, I mean, you almost feel like there's nothing new to say with TJ, but the fact that he keeps doing this and the fact that he's, I think, you know, kind of learning how to pick his spots a little better too. Like I mentioned that third quarter, I think Booker was sitting at that point at the end of the third and Warren kind of understood that that's when he needs to step up and do it. And when they aren't always staggered like they should be, those two guys. But when they are, I think both of them kind of really know how to take that, take the reins and control the offense, and Warren did that. Do you feel like – I know it's this exact moment you talk about Jeremy Grant there, but Jeremy Grant's like a muscular guy. Like, he's pretty yeah. built. And uh, there was a play in that game where TJ drove straight at him and bullied through him. Like, he just pushed him back like five feet. Like, is it, I feel like his strength might be a more underrated thing we don't talk about much. TJ, yeah. I mean, I think that's – on defense, we, we do talk about it just because – 
I, I think it's really the only thing that gives him an advantage on defense when he maybe isn't focusing, isn't hustling on that end sometimes. Uh, the switching allows him to use that strength advantage on smaller players. Um, not so much Russ tonight. Russ took advantage of him a few times today, but um, yeah, the, the strength, I mean, I think that's how he gets his shot off a lot of the time on those drives. I think of the magic game against Aaron Gordon in that fourth quarter, yeah. just driving right through him. Another guy kind of like Grant who's long but has some strength, and, and Warren just blush, brushes those guys off. It's Yeah, TJ Warren is really turning into a really awesome player, and it's really fun to watch. But for me, like Brennan was alluding to, Devin Booker was really a star at tonight's game. 25 points, 7 rebounds, 10 assists. We were on triple-double watch almost the entire game, but Booker only got one rebound in the second half there. But if we're talking about a bad Devin Booker game, it's getting to a point where he's having a bad game, 8 of 22 from the field, but he put up 25, 7, and 10. Like, that just, it's unreal, and it's very, really goes to show, like, how good this guy is going to be here very soon. I mean, I think it goes to show how good he is. Yeah. I think, you know, the fact that um, not only, I think the, the real thing that I've been noticing with him is how he, it's a thing that, that gets pointed to a lot. I mean, especially scouting young players, but the ability to affect the game when he's not scoring. You know, he was that eight of twenty two is is even better than the percentage was most of the game. He made a he made a few. He tried to get hot there at the end. Yeah, he made a few at the end right there and and kind of boosted his percentage. I think he was six of twenty before that made his last two. So um, really rough night scoring the ball, but ten assists to only two turnovers, three that's steals. Too. Yeah, that that that's becoming really an elite skill for him, if you want to call it a skill, just a statistical advantage is really cutting back on turnovers. And as he mounts to those assists and takes the playmaking role, even though they found a couple different playmakers who can take the load off of him between Melton, Crawford, even Okobo some nights, it seems like he's kind of finding a way to take that that playmaking role right back and, and showing kind of what made him so exciting. It's like we're coming full circle with Booker because he's yeah. getting healthy and he's doing the point Booker stuff that we were expecting in October. It's just two months late. Yeah, that's pretty much a really good point there. And it kind of goes to show that it just seems like he's starting to get it. Like it's starting to click, like assist-wise, the turnovers. He's really picking his spots a lot better. And that's something we talked about a lot on the podcast the last few weeks. But defensively, I should have asked Tim when he was talking to the media there, but do you think the defensive mentality with him is like picking up with guys like Mikhail and DeAnthony and Josh? Like it's he's actually like we were talking about before the the season even started. Like there's gonna be a point where he realizes like I'm the issue. Like yeah. I need to actually step up, and it seems like he's actually starting to do that. He is. I mean, even it's it's just I notice it especially in the little things. Obviously, there's there's big ways that he's helping, being able to switch on to bigger players. Um, you know, fighting through off ball screens. I think is something that he struggled with in the past. Even think back this season, the the first Warriors matchup, Clay Thompson just cooked him. Yeah. That we I remember talking after that game, like Clay just killed him on both ends and uh, little things like that that he's he's getting better at and contesting every shot. Just you know, he's never going to be Tony Allen, but being James Harden will be probably good enough and he's getting to that point where you know he's he's getting steals he's competing and he's making it difficult on his guy even if you know he's not going to swallow him up like some guys would yeah Devin continues to really put up a really great stat line the past few weeks and really putting if the Suns start winning some games here in the next few weeks I think he has a slight sleeper chance of an all-star game but it's gonna be really tough right now with the way the Suns are playing but let me toss it back to you for your second free throw yeah I mean we've we've mentioned him quite a few times already but I mean the story of this game you can't mention anything that happened without talking about Russell Westbrook. First Just, uh, time seeing him, too. What first time seeing him, yeah. I've never been here for a game with Russ because I was. The f this is the first time the Suns played him this year. So, yeah. 
I, I we were here for the first one, but he didn't play. George kind of lit the Suns up similarly in that game, and then uh, wasn't didn't play last year or something anyway. But he this is the best game of his season too. Came at the wrong time for the Suns, but he's been struggling. Is kind of quietly not been himself. Luckily, George has been just a monster. But 17 of 29 for for Westbrook tonight. 40 points. 12 rebounds, 8 assists, and the fourth quarter was just his little clinic. He just was like, you know, 18,000 fans, I'm going to show you how to kill a team. And so he went there and did it. But it's fun to see him do that. I know, you know, the Suns would like to have had this game, but you can't deny. I mean, I think Josh Jackson was saying it in the locker room just now. Like, the story of this game was Russ got odd, and there's not much you can do when an MVP gets off like that. Were you surprised? I mean, I was talking to a few media members before Igor's press conference there. It seemed like he was playing, especially Melton, like you, you obviously know Batson's by fire there. Like he's going to really struggle. And I read a tweet from John Bloom. I think he was sitting courtside. And he said, too, he's too small. He's too small. I can't guard him. And he put Jamal Crawford on too, which I really found confusing there. And he also saw Mikhail Bridges, Kelly Oubre, Josh Jackson. Went through like five or six guys to alternate between him, and no one can stop him. Yeah, I wanted to ask him when, before – Westbrook scored points like 20 through 40 I wanted to ask him you know who did you feel like did the best but when a guy scores 40 it's like well no one did very well but I think you know Josh is that you look at a game like this and I think that shows you the value of Jackson to this team because the Suns have nobody to defend Westbrook and Jackson's probably their best chance he's the only guy who has the quickness and length and kind of maneuverability to even pull that off now did he shut him down no but um, I think it's pretty it's a testament too to Westbrook that we've been talking so much about this team forming an identity around their length and having all these wings and Westbrook just discarded them one by one yeah it's unreal and if they make the playoffs I mean I don't want to talk talk on the thunder too much but I think they're a really a sleeper finals contender alongside teams like the Warriors and the Lake. I don't even know if the Lakers are a finals contender, but anyways, let's get back onto the Suns here. And for me, my second free throw is going to be actually Mikhail Bridges. Quiet night for him, 13 points, uh, 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. He just seems like a guy who is really starting to get it defensively. Like We all thought he'd be an elite defender, but the basketball index even has him ranked as the number one perimeter defender, which is insane. But Mikhail is just a guy who seems like defensively he is the leader of this team. Like He's calling the most vocal guy out there, at least from what I could tell. He's calling out everything. He's really buying into his role as maybe that defensive anchor. Yeah, I think struggled a little bit against Russ, like I just said. But overall, the willingness to take on just about any matchup. I mean, they had to get a little bit weird with some of the matchups and things especially when they did play all those wing lineups because the thunder tend to play a little bigger than most teams so they had to have a smaller guy on somebody like patrick patterson or jeremy grant and bridges i mean if you watch who he matches up with over the course of the game it'll be four or five guys and all of them are completely different sizes from russell westbrook all the way up to patterson too patterson he played against i mean he got switched but had a couple possessions against adams one of them he got burned for an alley-oop because he he didn't watch behind the ball but uh yeah just the versatility there is is extremely valuable and i think that's why he's stuck in the starting lineup long term i know this is just a game recap but long term like we saw tonight with patrick Patterson, you really held his own against a guy like him and jeremy grant do you think long-term Mikhail, like McDonough, Ryan McDonough, former GM of the Suns, said he'd be a more of a 3-4 than a 2-3? We saw more this season. He might be a 2-3, but maybe there is upside there as far as being a stretch four later on. Yeah, I mean, I think 
it's right now he kind of seems to me like a pure three. I don't really think he does struggle against smaller guards. Russ not really being a two, but those types of guys, I, like I said, I think Jackson, his quickness helps him there a lot more. Bridges is not quite as fast, not quite as athletic as uh, Ubre or Jackson. So I think right now he really can just defend threes and, you know, three, four is kind of doesn't really make a difference at this point but I I do I mean I still think kind of in the future after watching him play even though this year he's been more of a 2-3 I think really he is more of a 3-4 going forward because you know the size as long as he has the length and and can build out his body you're not worried about Patrick Patterson or somebody like that you're worried about Kevin Durant playing the four and I think eventually he's gonna be able to defend guys like that that's a really exciting upside for a guy like Mikhail but before we go any further to our uh, flagrant fouls today I want to tell you guys really quickly if you aren't already to go and follow at the Locked On NBA Net. It's our Twitter page for Locked On Network. And if you're not already, please go do so because it's such a valuable asset. Brennan and I both follow it. David Locke, there's so many voices over there, like David Locke, John Corrales, Adam Mares, so many great hosts, and they're all credentialed around the, around the NBA now. So if you're not already, go and make sure you're following at Locked On NBA Net because it's really one of the more valuable resources out there for an NBA Twitter, in my opinion. Yeah, I want to also tell you guys about a sponsor of our show that we are really excited about, and that is Homie. They are coming into the Phoenix market with a really cool new platform and idea for helping you buy or sell your house. So they're not going to come in like some of these other companies, whether that's OfferPad or Opendoor, that are going to try to make money off of you. They're really here to help. Their motto is, we've got your back, and they really mean that. So what Homie does is they sell help you sell your house with just $199 cost list and just a $1,299 cost at close, meaning that on average, homie customers save over $10,000. What we're going to do for you guys is cut another 100 off of that listing fee with a phone number. So not a coupon code, not a promo code this time, but a phone number to get $100 off your listing fee. And that's 602-892-3335. Again, that's 602-892-3335. And go check out everything homie's doing. Make sure that they're your number one place to buy or sell your house in the new year. Let me toss it back to you, I guess, um, for your flagrant foul. I mean, for me, actually, I'll start off here because it's on my mind. And it's, I'm not going to go D'Anthony Mellon. I know people probably want me to go D'Anthony Mellon here because he had a really bad game. But I'm going to actually go Jamal Crawford because three of seven from the field, four assists, three turnovers, minus 13. Only the second worst D'Anthony Mellon in the plus minus category. I just feel like at some point, maybe just a little nitpick here, but why is Igor still playing Crawford and Booker together? Like, it seems like that is also a thing. And also Crawford, too many times, and I, I mean, sometimes he'll make the shot, but other times he dribbles up the clock. It seems like he doesn't do the play, and he just cross over, cross over, cross over, step back. Yeah. It just seems like if you have more of a flow out there, it might be a little bit better for this team. Yeah, well, and it, it gets exposed against really good defensive teams. I mean, they were switching one through five in that lineup at the beginning of the fourth quarter when none of Aiton, Booker, or Warren were in the game, Crawford was kind of controlling the offense. When Ubre, you know, another guy who was pretty cold tonight, wasn't able to knock down much. So it gets exposed. I mean, Nerlens Noel just completely corralled Crawford, stole the ball from him once, blocked his shot once, and contested it for a missed uh, mid-ranger, that signature shot of Crawford's, all on back-to-back possessions. So it's... It's going to be kind of hit or miss with him. I think we've seen that this year where some nights he kind of wins the game in that early fourth quarter stretch because he knocks him down. Other nights he doesn't. But uh, overall, I mean, it's just it's really tough to hide him against the best teams. To me, I think, you know, 
putting on the coach's hat and getting almost everything wrong. But the the thing I would have done, I mean, tonight, like Raymond Felton to me, you can hide him against Felton. But anyone else, I would have just matched their matched their minutes, put Crawford on Felton defensively and lived with whatever happened and put him on the bench the minute Felton left the court because you go through Abdel Nader, um, Hamadou Diallo, way too athletic, Russ, obviously, Dennis Schroeder. There's just nowhere to put him. Yeah, it's just a little little nitpick, and I'm worried about just a little bit longer as far as the next few months go. And let me, before I go to your flagger and foul, I just wanted to ask you, long-term, maybe let's say it's like March now, like the G League season's over. Do you think he's going to eventually let go of playing maybe the last like 10, 15 games of the season just as a veteran role and having a Koba take those minutes back? Yeah, I certainly think that could happen. I mean, it's already kind of a pain, I think, developmentally to find minutes for – Melton and Akobo, we see it fluctuate back and forth. Akobo got quite a few minutes while Crawford was out, and now he didn't play. He was inactive tonight, or not inactive, but a, a coach's decision did not play. So that that balance gets a lot easier if Crawford's not playing. And I think he, you know, for, for from everything we've seen, he's not going to throw a fit if he has to sit for the last few games. Exactly, he's been really the veteran leader this he's team's been looking tweet, for. I don't want to be here if we have to sit him at the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. But let me toss it back to you for the flagrant foul here. And um, there's actually a couple options here. Yeah, I, mine's a specific thing. It's not even a player, and it was just something um, that that kind of contributed to the fourth quarter meltdown. The Suns got outscored 37 to 18. Obviously Russ did a bunch of that, but from the Suns perspective, just uh, Devin Booker tiring himself out by taking bad shots. I think that's something we see a lot of the time when he came back in the game, you know, we mentioned he made his last two, but missed quite a few when he did get back in around 10, nine or 10 minutes left in the fourth. And um, just throwing up shots that, that didn't have much of a chance of going in and, going into the teeth of the defense to do so and, and coming out way more fatigued than he needed to be and, and not able to close that game. Foul trouble for him as well, that, that didn't help. But you you can't get tired while you're taking shots that also are helping your team lose because then you're kind of killing two bad birds with one stone. Like, yeah. and, and I think that's a lot of what happened today is he just got fatigued because he was putting up prayers. It's going to be interesting to see how this team responds tomorrow, too. You're going against the number one, I believe, the number one seed still in the Western Conference in Denver Nuggets. And um, that's just a wild Western Conference for you. But it, it will be interesting to see how this team responds because, like you said, Booker did mention it was kind of a road game tonight, just off fatigue from that road trip. So we'll be interested to see how they respond. But let's go to our stat to watch here. And for me, it's kind of easy for me, and it's the uh, – Assist turnover ratio. I always touch on that every time I get, but 22 assists, 17 turnovers. You're not going to win many games when you're not even a plus one assist turnover ratio. What, it just seems like they live or die, either the three pointer or if they get a lot of turnovers, they're not going to win the game. It's simple for almost every team, but especially a team like the Suns, they can't afford to have these many turnovers, 17 especially. Yeah, it's uh, not to plug our, our network again, but it's something that Kevin Pelton, the episode I plugged the other day, was talking about with David Locke on Locked on NBA, the, the variability and how some bad teams actually benefit from variability. I think the Suns have been playing a lot better recently. I don't know if they necessarily classify it this way, but he was talking about the Hawks and the fact that they take so many threes actually helps them because you know, the, a team like the Rockets, they lose Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals because their threes don't go in on a random night, and it's the worst possible night for that to happen. But the Hawks, if Trey Young goes 6 of 13 one night, they're probably going to win, and for them that variability is helpful. I think the Suns are another example there where, you know, they benefit from 
on most nights, the fact that they have some good shooters, the fact that they have now a lot more defensive, you know, deflections and steals types of players, long guys on the in the lineup. But there's also going to be nights where the inconsistent shooting and the inexperience of their players kind of flips the other way, and it means that they lose. So I think those two numbers kind of go hand in hand with that kind of ideology. Let me throw it back to you here for your stat to watch because there's actually. Okay, like for the really for the last segment too, just a lot of intriguing options you can go with. Yeah, mine's a uh, seventy-six. That's the number of points in the paint for the Thunder, which is just a monstrous number. Sixty-three percent too. Yeah, sixty-three percent, and just in a, another, you know, I've, we've said this about a few things, and it was a closer game than you know maybe even the numbers would would look like now, kind of going back into them. But you can't you can't expect to be competitive in a game when you're giving up 76 paint points uh just really tough especially because you know this thunder team especially without paul george didn't have a ton of shooting so it wasn't even steven adams that was coming on the paint no it was the guards and and getting penetration and the guards and abel nader i don't understand but um it's just you know you would have hoped that they could play a little bit more aggressively in the paint but the thunder were getting transition buckets early in the game and then westbrook and schroeder kind of took them home driving into the paint for finishes but that's just a really stark number, and you know, no team is that bad night to night, but the Suns have definitely not. That's not a, a normal thing for them. They've been playing better defense recently, so that was a, an outlier for sure. Really quickly before we end today's show, because like, we might record a podcast tomorrow, we might just wait till Monday, but as far as the Nuggets game goes, back-to-back now, home-and-home home against Nicole Jokic, one of the best teams in Western Conference. Okay. What do you expect? I'm looking forward to seeing how Aiton responds. I mean, we've talked about it several times, but I think that was his worst game of the season, game two or three, I guess three, the Jokic first first road game of the year. Yeah. Jokic put up one of the more crazy stat lines of the entire season, a triple-double where he, did he, he didn't miss a shot, miss right? A shot, no. Yeah, ridiculous. So, um, you know, Aiton was pretty calm and measured about how he, how he treated the Adams matchup tonight. He said, you know, I'm – I was out there for defense, and maybe they could have used his offense in the fourth quarter, but I think he knows what his, his job is. I think it'll be similar tomorrow. Although uh, tonight I think Jamal Murray screwed up his ankle. So yeah. he, he went back into the game from what I could see on Twitter, but you know that, t- that type of thing tends to inflame and, on a plane too, especially. and blow up. So he might be out. They, they might get a catch of two breaks in a row with Paul George and Jamal Murray missing the game, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, that will be interesting to follow. And until then, guys, 118-102 was the final score. A big fourth quarter from the Thunder really took this game away from the Suns. The Suns, like I said, are now 9-27 in the season. We'll be back with you guys later on for our next